I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. But have you yeah. ever met anyone that's never had any setbacks in life? They're all fucking awful people. Oh my God, they're so shit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to E. I was actually counting this morning, and it's episode seven. That time has really flown. Well, sorry, anyway, it's episode seven of Vicky Patterson, The Secret of Two. And this week, I am going to try and move seamlessly out of lockdown and isolation topics and into more to more general territory. I think it's dead important. I'll let you know this was never meant to be like a lockdown podcast. Um, I've been working on it for years. <laughs> I could just never nail that format. Um, it was meant to be um, about, about sharing secrets, which obviously, hence the name. It was meant to be about having great guests on, having lovely chats, and hopefully giving people out there who are listening a little bit of a takeaway, a message um, that... When they were listening, I wanted them to feel that if they were going through something, maybe they weren't going through it alone. Um, which is why the the topic this week is super important. Uh, the name of this week's topic is Vicky Patterson, The Secret to Surviving a Setback. And uh, I mean, it's pretty poignant at the moment. <laughs> but I, I do think everyone at some point in their life will go through some semblance, some sort of a setback whether that be personally, whether it be professionally, whether it be romantically. I'm 32 and I've been lucky enough to go through all of them. (laughs) Now, don't get your little violins out. This is not a sob story. I'm not asking for sympathy. I've actually got quite an interesting take on on setbacks. So before I welcome our wonderful guest, who this week is going to be comedian and good friend, Matt Richardson, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I think about setbacks, right? So buckle up and bear with us. I think it's going to be a good one. Right, listen, when I was younger, I used to think every setback, every small speed bump in my life was just the worst thing. I was so dramatic and I used to be like chicken little, the sky was falling, why is why is this happening to me? Woe is me, ah, I can't get out of bed. But as I've got older, I've started to kind of realise like these little setbacks, like and I, I don't mean to to patronise anybody, they could be big setbacks, God. But in my life, in retrospect, most of them have really only been small, despite how how monumental this seemed at the time. Um, like you need them. 
God, that sounds so cheesy. And I don't, I don't want anyone to turn off now. Matt will come on later in this podcast and he's hilarious and witty and he'll probably have such a better take on this than me. So if this is cringy for anybody, stay tuned. It gets better. <laughs> um, you need your setbacks, man. Um, every time in my life um, I've had one. Well, for example, everyone knows a couple of years ago, and time has really flown on that one as well. Um, I was in a relationship and I was on this trajectory to be married and probably to have kids now. And as far as everyone else was concerned, it was dead happy. As far as even I was concerned, it was dead happy. I'd convinced myself um, and everything was everything was rosy and it was fairy tale and it was romantic and it was going to be great. Um and then, of course, it all fell apart. Now, I'm not going to cry because I think I'm far enough away from it now and I'm happy enough in myself that I'm not going to cry. But that's probably the first time in a year and a half I can I can say that because it was really a really hard thing for us to get over. I think an amalgamation of things is tough, like being cheated on sucks. Um, there's just no other word for it. It's super shit. Um, and as well, like being embarrassed hurts. I've spent years cultivating this image of this strong, independent woman um, who you didn't have to like us, but you had to fear us. <laughs> you know what I mean? You had to respect us. I wanted to be taken seriously. And I felt like overnight, this situation took that away from us. It was awful. I think the vulnerability um, hurt the most. But yeah, that was probably one of the worst setbacks of my personal life. And God, I really hope I, I don't, feel it again I really don't want anyone to feel that it it's the worst um and at the time I honestly didn't think I'd ever recover which is so dramatic looking back now but like if anyone's had the heart broken they totally get it they totally get it <laughs> um and yeah it was it was awful but in the weeks that ensued the time that followed what I actually I realized a lot of stuff um I realized, well, predominantly that I would survive, that I would live, <laughs> that it wasn't the end of the world, that actually like a lot of people had been through it as well. Um, in terms of my relationships with other people, um, I realized the one I was in hadn't been that healthy and subsequently others had been distancing themselves from us. So my relationship with me mom grew stronger and better. I got closer to my friends, in particular my male ones. Um, I'd realised I wasn't looking after myself. I'd been trying so hard to make someone else happy that I hadn't been nurturing my own self. Just does that make sense? Um, and even me, even like my professional relationships. I think when um, you're in a like a toxic or an unhealthy relationship, you you dedicate so much time of yourself just desperately trying to make it work and hide it from everyone else that every other aspect of your life suffers. So when you're free of that, regardless of how it happens, um, everything else just flourishes. It's as if like you step into the sunlight almost again. God, who am I? Please keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> it gets better. But... Yeah, I honestly thought I was never going to survive it. And actually, it was the best thing that ever happened to us. So I suppose that's probably what I'm trying to say. 
setbacks may feel like the worst thing that could ever happen to you. But more often than not, they end up being the best. That was a year and a half ago, and I look at my life now. I'm with a wonderful man who, like, I fall asleep to every night, who makes me feel happy, comfortable, secure, loved, safe, protected, like all the things a woman wants to feel. And I'm I'm not even being sexist yet, like probably all the things a man wants to feel as well. And I'm yeah, I haven't got kids and we're not married and I'm not engaged in anything, but I don't need all those things. I kind of think I was rushing all those things because I wasn't happy and I thought I would be happy if I got the next one. Setbacks, um, although they suck at the time, they teach you something. There was loads of red flags in my relationship, but I chose to ignore them because I just desperately wanted to be married. I desperately wanted to be loved. I desperately wanted to stop dating. Like, I don't know how everyone else feels about the dating scene, but fuck me in my thirties. Like it was super tough. It was just giving me so much anxiety. I was so sick of going on dates with fellas that just didn't really like me for me. And I don't know. I just was was just ready to settle down so much so that I was forcing it with the wrong person who didn't really love us. So yeah, setbacks sometimes they, they suck, but actually they, they, they have so much, they're carrying so much meaning. They're carrying so much message. They're there to teach you something. So it could be to teach you that you're going too fast Um, Or it could be to teach you that you're ignoring so much stuff and pushing on a trajectory that isn't right for you. Or there could be to teach you humility. Sometimes in my professional career, like I've been moving far too fast and not appreciating what was happening around us. And I have a little professional setback to, to almost to knock you back down to size. And it feels horrible at the time, but honestly, you need it. So never see setbacks as like something personal and aggressive that the the universe is doing to you. Never look at them like that. They're lessons and they are there to teach you something. And the only thing I can tell you to make this better is that the comeback is always bigger and stronger than the setback. So remember that next time you're hurting. Look at what it's trying to teach you and remember things are going to get better. Now, I promised I wouldn't cry, so (laughs) before I do get all teary and sentimental, let's welcome this week's guest. It is the hilarious, the fantastic, the altogether wonderful person, Matt Richardson. Woo! Yes, Matt! Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks. I was thinking, and I was going, "Oh my god, this could be any comedian." Like you're, you're, you're quite ingratiated <laughs> in the comedy world. You're very well liked, actually, amongst comedians. Yeah, you're one of the few. I'd say, if not the only person who came from a reality background mm. that comedians embraced. Oh, that. That you've you've gone past the cynicism of it, and you just kind of you're just part of. We all think you're great. Like there's no one that doesn't agree. So you're, you're very very rarefied position. Oh, thank you. That means so much. I think uh, it does go a long way that I hold you guys in such high esteem as well. Like your job's fucking not easy. No, but also you're funny ah. and you understand. Like I remember years ago doing um, it's not me, it's you. You know your panel yeah. show that you did on Channel Five with Eamon and Kelly Brook. Yeah, and two of the writers on it, Jeff Norcott and James Farmer, who are two yeah. comedians I know. 
I remember being like, oh, how's it been working on this? Um, and they were like, oh my God, Vicky's great. She comes with jokes. <laughs> she actually bothers to talk to us and listen to what we have to say to her. And she like, she wants to write jokes. And they, one of them, I think it was James said, it's like working with another comic. That's Working with Vicky is exactly like working with a comedian. So that's why you're well liked. Oh, that means so much to us. Sometimes I feel like when I don't surround myself with people like you, like Big Tom Davies, like, other amazing comedians, people who I think are really funny. I lose it a bit. Does that make sense? Do you ever feel like you lose it? Like your, your, your spark, so to speak? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think, well, it's a, I think the thing is, it's a muscle, isn't it? Something like that. Like the more you do th- funny things, the funnier you get. So I think if you're around funny people, it, it does make you try yeah. and then you get better. So yeah, I do. I totally agree. The other day I was trying to think, I was chatting to someone. I think I was doing like a Zoom or something with a mate and we're talking about a gig that he came to. And he's like, you know, that routine. I was like, I don't know what you're talking Like, I've forgotten everything about work <laughs> in the last three months. Like, I was really trying to think. I was like, I've no idea what you're talking about. Like, genuinely. Like, and I couldn't think because I've just not used it for that long because there's no one to talk to. No, that's it. And I swear to God, like, obviously we're moving out of lockdown phase and isolation in its purest form, the, the sort of the most serious one we were originally used to. And things are starting to open up a bit more. The world is feeling slightly it's it's taking on more of a normal feel there's a semblance of normality in the air yeah and it, i thought it would excite us i thought i'd be buzzing but it's doing the opposite matt i'm fucking terrified really why because i'm not the person i was <laughs> look <laughs> lockdown has totally changed us like the other day my agent sent us an email and she's like if you could just get that video across to us vicky for those shoes and also that picture for imperial leather and then um i just need you to confirm whether you want to do fleur east's podcast or not and i was like for fuck's sake man like this is so much work will you just relax and get off me dick <laughs> like i honestly believe i was being ridden like I was like a workhorse I felt like I was being so overworked and taken advantage of and obviously in hindsight I'm like those were three very small things Vicky that you threw your choice out of the pram over like I'm just not used to a decent day's graft Matt yeah it's it's weird like that but I think it's that thing of you know we spend our we've spent our whole lives and also in our kind of job you you get to a point where you're so afraid of it all stopping Mm. You take to you take everything that comes along. Like you say yes to everything yeah. because you're like shit. This isn't going to last forever because you feel like an imposter, I suppose. And um, whereas whereas now you, it's kind of nice to have spent some time in the house you pay for and all that stuff. And and maybe like it will be that we go. I'll say no to a few more things because life is more important. And you know it has been nice to rediscover myself and all that sort of nonsense. <laughs> so you know. It may, maybe you won't be doing so much now because you go, yeah, this is a bit too much actually, but I'm, I've inflicted that on myself. Yeah. Do you ever feel like sometime in your career you have done that? Because I know I have. Do you ever feel like you've just been so grateful but also so scared that things are going to go away that you've just done too much? I've spent a decade doing it pretty much. <laughs> like I am, I am, I, I, I have... As lockdown's taught me, I have a lot of anxiety, and it turns out it's all about work. That's the only thing I'm anxious about. When we've had lo- when we've had work taken away in lockdown, I've slept better. I've like been more ch- like everything's been fine. Whereas I do really, I don't know why because like I've been doing it a long time now, but it's I'm still just yeah I do I take I say yes to pretty much everything. Yeah, like there's a few things I won't do like like I've stopped doing those kind of like the top 50 most shocking moments of the 80s when cats are doing it like all those kind of like late night talking heads yeah 
Um, I do also, them now. I stopped doing them. The, the, <laughs> I've taken over well, like, from you. <laughs> the thing is, I've got, I go in and out of doing them because there's some of them that they're like, they pay really well and I'll go, oh yeah, absolutely, I'll talk about that. Yeah. But there's others that I'm like, I've done that one before and they offered me more money last time. They're obviously <laughs> like, fuck them. Like, obviously I'm in a dip. I'm, I'm in a, on the roller coaster of a career, I'm currently in a dip, it turns out. And, um, and I get a bit, I get a bit shirty about that. Don't blame you. Know your worth, man. <laughs> yeah, mate. I'm not. I'm not coming to sit in a hotel room for a hundred quid to talk about absolute garbage. Like, oh, got make it a hundred and fifty at least. But then some of those are really good. Did you watch the one about biscuits? Did you watch the biscuit one? No, I didn't. You missed. I would have said yes to the biscuit yeah. one. I think Paddy McGuinness got the biscuit one. The prick. <laughs> Sake. That's the thing is, I'd love to do the voice, the voiceovers for them, being like, "Okay, up next at forty-eight, it's when George Michael did this," and like, I'd, I'd love that. Ian Lee does loads of them. Like, Ian Lee's always doing the voiceovers for those. Like, cats make you lol stuff, <laughs> which I've done twice. Well, I can understand. I've also done penguins make you lol, puppies make you lol, and criminals make you lol as well. They were the ones I did in the Make Ooh, You Lol series. You're on a right roll with oh, that yeah. particular format, there, oh, Matt. No. <laughs> I was, I was the king of the talking head. There was a point where I was probably doing like one a week and I'd walk in and be like, right, which one's this? Knock it out, leave. Great. Like I was like a baller on the lowest rung of showbiz. <laughs> yeah, well, we've all got to start somewhere, son. <laughs> oh yeah, mate. It's just, you know, I thought I'd, I've moved past it after seven years. I feel like sometimes I go around in circles. Do you not? Like sometimes I feel like I'm totally past a particular format and then it just comes back again and I'm like, shit, so I, I'm here again, am I? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I tell you what's, I tell you what's even more worrying is um, there's some stuff, like uh, an example for me is for years, the jungle would always ask me if I was interested. Mm. And then um, last year is the first year where I went, yeah, you know what, actually, I would, I would be up for it. I'm, uh-huh. I, you know, having seen the last three years of Joel Domit's career, I was like, get me a slice of that action. <laughs> And um, do you know what I mean? Like, I'd love a massive house. Yeah, get me in the fucking jungle. And the year where I was like, bang up for it, mate, they weren't that bothered. Whereas before they'd been really keen. And it was like, oh no, I've missed the boat on something. And that was the thing is like, stuff where they were keen. Like, that's what I always worry about now is I'm going to say no to something and then go, oh, actually, I would quite like it. And it's too late. And you've missed. I think I probably missed the boat on that. And then that's why I say yes to everything is because I go, well, actually, like, it looks like it'll be good fun. And I really love that show anyway. So it would be really cool. And then you've missed it. So you do end up going around in circles and you're like, shit, I should just go back. I should have just said yes the first year. (laughs) It's such a fickle industry. I'm so paranoid. I am. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, what bothers me so much is because I truly don't believe I deserve anything I've got. And I'm always terrified that someone's going to come along with a similar shtick and people are just going to like them more. It It is that weird thing though, isn't it? Like, there are you're you're not unique, no. I guess, in this kind of thing. Like there will always be someone that comes along and does it who's younger, who's and also it's it's flavour of the week, isn't it? When you this kind of thing. Like there's a point where everyone wants to book you for stuff and then you do go through phases. And it's weird, like I've kind of it, I find it's a cycle. So like I'll go through a phase where I'm not really people aren't really bothered, and then all of a sudden it kind of picks back up again. And yeah. in that phase you go, Well, I had a good run. I did it for a while, and you start looking at 
actual jobs again. You, t- it's honestly, I'm so, I'm so similar. I'm so fucking dramatic, Matt. Like all it takes is for like a couple oh, quiet months, and I'm like, well, you know what? I won the jungle. I've done MasterChef. I've done a lot of things that a lot of people will never get to do in their life. I, I should be grateful. Like I've bought property. Like I've invested wisely. Like I thoroughly have this conversation in my head, and then like a big job comes up, and I'm like, oh, I am famous again. Fuck everybody, you minions. <laughs> Uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I think um, last year, because I, I, I was on, I did the radio for, for three and a half years. I was yep. on Virgin yep. every day. And that was great because that was like a job. Yeah. Like it was a really well paid thing. And you had that a you did sense of security. You also, absolutely. And you could also still do other bits. Like, I mean, less so towards the end, but that's, a, that's more of a political thing within that, within that company yeah. and the fact that they wanted to get rid of me. Um, but. <laughs> I knew in about the March, they kind of, they didn't extend my contract as much as I was hoping. Mm. And I knew that I, they were, they were going to get, I knew it was coming to an end. I knew I probably had like six months max. Mm. And I did genuinely have a period of going, well, cool, this is me out then. And my agent at the time, I'd go, like, let's look at something else, you know, they, oh, I think this is going to end. And they just went, no one's really bothered about you, mate. You've got no buzz or anything. And I was like, cool. Uh, isn't that your side of the job rather than mine but yeah fine um so I did about a year ago just over a year ago I had a real kind of like I nearly packed everything in like and just went I'm going to go back to uni and do something else um but the fact is I did that and I kind of had the moment of going oh and I kind of got I got I got fine with the idea of never having to do it again it meant that I went like now if it all ended tomorrow Mm -hmm. because I've gone through the two months of oh my god I'm gonna be people are gonna be going oh my god how awkward that that famous guy's a teacher realizing that I'm not actually that like people won't care especially 14 year olds because they don't watch television I'm not and I'm not on TikTok but um, (laughs) I've now done that I feel like much more secure in whenever I have a couple of bad months I go well I'm cool with leaving so it's fine it's all, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, yeah, and then so it comes up and I go, well, it's because I'm the greatest comedian ever born. So of course I'm still working. <laughs> yes, that's the right attitude, Matt. Yeah. But I think I completely understand where you're coming from. And I've had I've had the same as the same thing too. Once you've looked it in the eye, once you've looked like the biggest setbacks in the eye, yeah. once you've accepted maybe embracing a different path, once you've thought to yourself, right, well, this is it over and you've you've faced all those demons, actually you're not so scared of it anymore, are you? No. And you kind no, of just think what'll be, you'll be, what'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be. And also like we're not that old to change careers. Do you no. know what I mean? Like my my parents have changed careers loads in their lives. Yep. Like at 32 and 29, like there's a whole life ahead of you that you go, yeah, I did that in my 20s. You look at loads of people who were, you know, d- did stuff and then went on to do something totally different. And it, it is fine. And, yeah. every, and you know, you're, you're an intelligent, you know, charming woman. Like you'll find something else and be very successful in it <laughs> in the same way that I will because I'm both an intelligent and charming man. So, yeah, you do just have to get over it. But it's, so the, problem is, the problem's ego. <laughs> it's ego. That's the issue, isn't it? That you go, well, I can't do a normal thing because I've been on the television now. <laughs> But that isn't, that isn't how it works, is it? No, I think it does play a massive part. And I think as well, when you put so much pressure on yourself, like I know the year after I won the jungle, everyone expected so much from me. Um, I'd been relatively unknown beforehand, then gone on the, like, unless you are a certain demographic. And then I'd gone on the jungle. Which and- I am in, by the way. <laughs> you were so my demographic. <laughs> I knew, I, mate, I, I watched that, the first episode of Geordie Shore I watched you from, like, I am a hardcore fan. I love that. 
Um, but yeah, when I when I sort of won the jungle, like everything changed and I had this taste of like what my life could be like, I suppose, which I know you've had at certain moments in your career as well. And you get I got so scared, Matt, that this feeling was going to go away as quickly as it had come. So I did. I, I said yes to everything like great jobs, brilliant jobs, jobs that I'm so pleased I did, but jobs that looking back, I probably shouldn't have done. Things that I shouldn't have <laughs> tired myself out for um, when I should have been given focus to other things. And in the end, I ended up totally exhausting myself, alienating all my friends and family, making silly mistakes with, with people I shouldn't have been making mistakes with. And yet just running myself ragged, trying to be the person everyone thought I was in the jungle and everyone wanted us to be and and to not say no to anything because I was so scared that people wouldn't ask us again. Like, yeah. you must have experienced that. Oh, my God. Like, loads of times. Like, I've done... I've done... I've been... I, I mean, I've never really been picky. Like, if you look at a lot of the shows I've made, mm. that is r- real proof of that. Um, but but my, my problem is is because I still gig loads, like doing stand-up in the clubs, and that can feel like you're going around in circles because it is a circuit. But um, the uh, the big thing with that is, um, so I'll book in. What will happen is, my, my thing is what happens is I panic and I'll book in shed loads of comedy club gigs. Mm-hmm. And like comedy clubs compared to television stuff, like they're not big payers and there's a lot of travel. It's a lot of time alone, which isn't very good for your mental health, mm-hmm. I don't think. Um, and I'll panic, book them all in, and then things will come along. And I'll have to, and I can't pull them because I feel bad. Yeah. So I end up doing like gigging seven nights a week, working in the days, doing records, and just not having a life. And yeah. then it's, it's just a bit miserable. And it's such a solitary job. And I don't know, like, yeah, a lot of the time on TV shows, like you'll know, you are with people in the day, yeah. but they're not really people that you know that well mm. or people that are your mates. So it's quite solitary even then in like traveling alone and stuff. So I think it's important to just have a bit of time to have a life. Exactly. And then it's all right, isn't it? Well, especially for someone in your line of work, because forgive us if I'm wrong, but surely all of this stand up, all of your comment, like all of your comment, um, comedy, fucking hell easy for me to say, it comes from real life experiences, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I, and the thing is as well, like I am an inherently lazy writer. Like I don't like writing comedy. I find it really hard. Like, I find it the hardest part of everything I do is writing stand up. Like, okay. makes me really, really stressed. Um, <laughs> so I am a slow writer anyway. When I'm living a normal life, mm. but when when you're sort of not doing anything, it's why it's the classic thing in in America that comedians always used to talk about plain food. Like that was the ultimate kind of like hack comedian topic because they all fly everywhere. And that's all they see is the insides of planes. (laughs) And it's a bit like that. Like every so often I'll be like, have a really funny thought about a really specific thing that happens on a motorway. And then you're like, Hey guys, you know, when you're driving back at two in the morning and it's 50 miles an hour on the M1 and you're really annoyed, like no one gives a fuck, but that's the only (laughs) thing you ever see. So yeah it does it has to be normal life otherwise you can't you know especially the stuff i do so it otherwise it doesn't really work when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, me and Matt are talking about the secret to surviving a setback. Um, and 
I'm obviously in life you get various different versions of that I know there's professional personal but I remember one of the first times I ever met you Matt right um and yes I, I think I think we'd just done a show um called shit what was it called it was with um Rick Edwards, Rick Edwards. yes. Safe word. It word. was called Safe Word. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A4, and it was such a laugh, wasn't it? Yeah. It was such a laugh. Well, yeah, we ended up... We ended up going out. We had like really all of a sudden just became mates over a night, basically. The best of friends instantly. You saved me <laughs> from abject terror and humiliation at the hands of Catherine Ryan, I seem to remember. <laughs> God, I can't... God, that's a, that was a good booking for that show, even back then. <laughs> like she was, she was too famous to be on an ITV2 show. Yeah, she was on the cusp of greatness, and they snared her just at the right time. Lucky, yeah, lucky them. Even that couldn't guarantee them a second series, though. Such a fucking shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I am. Um, I remember going out with you that night, and we were talking about relationships. And I'm sure you'd just yes. been through a pretty shitty breakup. That in itself is yes, such a shit setback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. It was It was probably, you know, I think without going into too much detail about it and, what you know, it was probably the first big, rela- like, serious relationship. Like, I was 22 when we met and it was the first time I'd lived with a girl. Like, we moved in together after two months and, like, oh. of course it went bad. Of course, <laughs> of course it didn't work. I mean, of course it didn't work. We didn't know each other. Um, but it was this weird thing, like, I'd moved to London to live with her and all that and then... All of a sudden, like, you know, we sort of tried to build this life together, even though it was never going to work out in hindsight. But yeah, it all kind of falls apart. And you're like, well, you know, you don't live, you don't want to move back, like, you don't want to move back home. So I ended up moving in with my friends. I was staying in a single room, sleeping on a a futon from a sofa put on the floor (laughs) in like a box room and sitting there being like, well, this is this is awful. Like back to that's back to square one, really, when you've kind of set up. And I didn't really know. I didn't really know what to do with about it. You know, when you, when you kind of break up with someone and you think, especially when you're going, right, we moved in together, we're going to have this life together and yeah. then it doesn't work out. Like, and I probably didn't deal with it amazingly well, but I, I was working all the time. So I was gigging loads and it's really good. Like, I think if I wasn't doing that, I'd have ended up going out and going mad yeah. uh, and, you know, drinking too much and all that. But when you're, you're driving every night, so you can't. Mm. So that was probably a really good thing for me is that I had work to fall back on. Yeah, a distraction. Yeah, like that, that, yeah, and I think relationships, like, you know, you've had a relationships, you've had relationship setbacks in the past and things like that. Like, it is weird because, you know, when you, like, I don't know if you're the same as me, but like, I never go out with anyone going, oh, well, I'm going to go out with them for a bit, mm. you know, and just see what happens. Like, you meet someone, you go out with them, and you're like, okay, cool. Like, I can see you being absolutely the person I'm with forever. Exactly. And kind of this switch goes off in your head going, well, this is me now. This yeah. is my life. This is what it's going to be like and all of a sudden that gets taken away it's and it, so hard. It, it is weird well, because the setback isn't I'm not going to be with this person the setback is the years in your head that you've got decided are going to happen <laughs> no, and I then you have that. to like start from scratch don't you it's this kind of weird like you have to go back to the drawing board about your whole life I, which is kind of strange it, I read somewhere once that um, you are either dating for marriage or you're dating for heartbreak and um yeah it's it's absolutely true and I've never I've been exactly the same as you like I've never gone into a relationship thinking this is nice for a little bit and oh you know sh- sh- like he's all right and he'll do like I'm always just 
balls to the wall, a million miles an hour. I'm going to fucking marry this fella. Um, and yeah. otherwise I just see no point in it. Like I'm all or nothing always have been with everything I've done. Um, and I think that is exactly why when a relationship doesn't work, when you suffer a setback, it's so much harder because you have, you've, you've named your kids in your head. You've picked where you're going to live. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You've decided on a golden retriever. Like it's all there in your head. So when yeah. things don't work out exactly right, it is so much harder for I'd call us like the dreamers. Yeah. And I think, you know what? I think, I think most people are like that with relationships. I'd like to think I don't think so. anyone I know. I don't think I know anyone that is broken up with someone. I'm going, yeah, well, I was never going to go out with them for that long. Like that's like, that's like psychopathic. Like that's messed up. To be Welcome like, to well, my exes. <laughs> like even, even like the first girl that broke my heart, um, Soph, uh, Soph Sutcliffe, um, she, <laughs> Name and she and I were together. That's right. <laughs> well, the thing is, she's, we're, we're good mates now. Okay. Like this was when I was 18. Shut we, we're like, you know, 11 years, 11 years later, I'm over it. Um, <laughs> but even then, like, I was like, we, she broke up with me at 18 and I was like, well, this is, well, I'm it. No, that's my life over. Bore, like that's me done. Rubbish. Yeah. Because you do because I think that is the mentality of everyone. Like that's how we're built, isn't it? To go well, and also like we're planners, or at least I am. I'm and a I planner. Think probably you are as yeah. well. So um, so yeah, and I, I find it mind-boggling that people can go and live with someone and then go, well, it's just kind of like I just it was coming to an end. I'm like, well, you, no, but you what you do then is you you work on it. Yeah. Like, you don't just go. Well, it's sort of it's sort of just wound down. <laughs> And I'm like, you had a you had a mortgage. Like, how can you let us like you had a pump? How can you come into something? You had bait. You got three kids. <laughs> it's just a different mindset, I think, some people. And honestly, yeah. you've, you've said yourself, oh, I don't think people think like that. I think everyone's in it for the long haul. You'd be surprised. I do think there's people out there really? who are very who are very much like, this suits me for now. I really do think there's people yeah. out there. And, but the, it's it's such a huge setback because you do, I think, and also a relationship, especially like, you know, the, the, my last breakup, there was a real setback. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been with my current girlfriend now, Sam. We've been together like over five years. Um, but the last one, it was it was the first time I moved in with a girl. And like, it was, she look, she was less bothered about me than I was about her, which is never a good place to We've be in a relationship. all been there though, babe. You're not the only one, fucking hell. And you, and you convince yourself, you, you know, and you convince yourself that you need this person, I mm. think. So when they go, it's like someone's ripped off your arm, even though actually, like, you're going to be absolutely fine. Yeah. But for months, like, yeah, I, was, I, was, I wasn't in a good place for ages because you just, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do. Like, I didn't know if I'd given up, like, a lot of, sacrifices like uh yeah. she didn't get on with my parents so like i'd fallen out with my parents for her and stuff like that oh, which yeah. you know in hindsight when when a girl calls your mama cunt you should break up with her there and then shouldn't you <laughs> um which is it's what never she a did. good sign <laughs> it never is you know it never is ever um, and that's such she, a shame because uh, your mum is the tits she's the duck's nuts. she's luck, like she's lovely she's <laughs> she's absolutely gorgeous but um so you kind of you, you've sacrificed things for someone and then you're like well you know Luckily, you can salvage like your your relationship with your parents is never is always salvageable. I think, isn't it? With for, in most cases, mm-hmm. so I think it. Yeah, you do end up just having to go back and sort of start again with like I didn't hang out with my friends because none of them liked her, and I wish they'd have said something sooner. Um, and <laughs> you know all those things. So the setbacks. In, but then I'm really glad it happened because I would never make that mistake again, and I would never give someone as much control in a relationship again as, and lose so much control. Like, yeah. And it meant that the next thing I did, like my, my next relationship, which was Sam, uh, was much stronger because like I felt yeah. like 
I wasn't handing everything over and that I wasn't in the driver's seat, which was really nice. And so, so much it, healthier, Matt, as well. So much healthier. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've been with people where you look back and like you were obsessed with them and like, you know, mm. and, and actually they didn't treat you very nice, uh, which is what happened with me. You know, I was like gaslighted and all this kind of stuff. But you, you now going back, I'm like, okay, because that happened, that mm. will never happen to me again. Okay. So even though it was a setback at the time, I think it made me a much better person long term. I, I think with setbacks, and this is, I hope if anybody takes anything away from this, this is the one thing they take away. Like the, the, the comeback is always stronger than the setback. It's Absolutely. always better. And it feels like the end of the world. And it feels like you'll never, if, if it's a heartbreak, it feels like your heart will never heal and you'll never meet someone else. If it's a job loss, it feels like, oh my God, you'll never ever be as successful as you were. You'll never recover. And you have to go through and work through all those stages of grief in order to see, to learn, to be stronger, yeah. to, to, to be healthier, to be a happier person. And I've had my fair share of setbacks across the entire board <laughs> um but yeah i do well, think i've learned from every one of them and ultimately become stronger have you the thing is the, the thing with setbacks is i think people people never want them everyone wants to like the perfect kind of like life and career and all that but have you yeah. ever met anyone that's never had any setbacks in life they're all fucking awful people oh my god they're so shit this and i i'm sorry if anybody is listening to this and thinking god i've had quite a nice life this is not a personal attack but you probably are a bit of a bellend it's li- yeah. it's just the people who haven't known any sort of sacrifice or any sort of struggle or any sort of hardship, like I've been, I've, I know them. I've been out with one. I've been out with a couple. Oh God, I've got terrible taste. <laughs> um, but it's, you have no, char- like there's no character there. When there's no sense no. of struggle and you've gone through no hardships, I feel like there's there's no substance to a person. Like people who've known hardships, God, they're interesting. They're fighters. And it's yeah, so absolutely. wonderful to be around people like that. And, and, you know, and I put it in perspective of me going, well, you know, I've, I've had struggles, but like, you know, I still have a very nice career and I've done very, like I was doing stand up at 18. I was doing it as my job at 20. Like, yeah. and I'm a white man. I'm a white middle-class man. Like <laughs> what I consider a setback is pretty fucking minimal to, to a lot of other people. And I'm fully aware, you know, I, and I, I think disclosure. it's important that I, 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 I point that out in the current, in the current world that I realize that. I'm fully aware that I, I am what I am. And, you know, life is much fucking easier for me than most people. But, um, you, know, <laughs> I, you know, you meet someone. Like, I've met people that they're like, like, especially people that say, went to an amazing school and then an amazing uni and it's straight into a very nice job because their family have got old school money and, you know, dad's got a title. And then when they get into their, when they get like to about 30-ish and something bad happens, the mm. way they deal with it so badly... <laughs> and they, like, it ruins their life. And you're just like, it's not that bad. Like Mm-mm. other things, you know, other things have happened. Like I knew someone who had never had any issues and they didn't even understand like mental health, like depression and stuff they saw as like this alien concept because they'd, they'd never had any issues with it. They'd always been like, you know, fine. Everything was fine. And then all of a sudden they had a bout of it in their thirties. And like, and it was this weird kind of like, empathy awakening they had where they're like oh god is this what everyone else has been going through like yeah mate all of us <laughs> and it just and and you just like and, and it and it made them a better person because they'd been through something difficult that they could relate to other people but before that it'd been plain sailing and they were a dick they make you better as a person you know any setbacks yeah. if it's work or anything and also when things finally do go your way you're better prepared for it i think 
Oh, I completely agree. I read somewhere, um, again, probably probably Instagram, that's where I get the vast, <laughs> the vast wealth of my quote from these days, um, that like you, you won't learn anything from success, but failure will teach you a lot. Um, Absolutely. And I agree with it, like 110%. I look at the times in my life where supposedly I've been the most traditionally successful um, and I was pretty stressed out I was surrounded probably by the wrong people I was super arrogant and probably like a little bit a little bit foolhardy just didn't assume that the pitfalls that happened to other people were going to come my way um I just was a bit full of myself and my own self-importance but then I look at some of the harder times I've had professionally the moments where I've made mistakes the moments where things have been taken out of my hands but just good luck good fortune hasn't come my way and that humility that that has taught me so much um and I actually yeah. appreciate those moments in hindsight I wouldn't have at the time a lot more than the sort of successes I think See, I find that really interesting that you said that because I think I probably met you. I probably met you at the peak of your success. Like when it first blew up, I, yeah. I, that's when we kind of met, I'd say. And I've never had the impression that you were ever kind of full of yourself or ever like thought you were better than or worthy of, you know, like, you know, you meet people who are like, well, of course I'm successful. Like you've never been like that in my, in my eyes. So like yeah. the fact you think that like the fact you're self-critical enough to go, well, that probably was the way I was means that you you're probably all right <laughs> i think i mean thank Do you know you what i mean like you. if you yeah and i think also like the fact you've gone oh yeah like maybe i was a bit much like now means that you probably were fine because i don't think people do want to admit when they're assholes and when they were <laughs> to work with and stuff like that um, like I, I'm just so grateful to that i get to like i don't have to wear a suit to work that i'm just i just try and be really nice <laughs> But that's, that's what, basically how I act. That's what it teaches you. Like these little setbacks, like I do believe they teach you something. And like if I hadn't had moments where I thought, oh, shit, it's all going to be taken away from us. Then honestly, I wouldn't feel grateful for where I am now. I would just no. be like one of those people we were talking about before who's probably had it all a little bit too fucking easy. Yeah, yeah. What like so for you, what was the first big setback then? So this is super difficult for us to talk about um, because okay. I like to pretend this part of me. Like, it's not like I like to pretend it hasn't happened. It would be pretty futile pretending it hasn't happened. It's fucking out there. All the stories, everyone's seen it. But um, when I was in Geordie Shaw, I um, yeah. was in like a super dark place. Like the show was loads of pressure. I missed my family. I missed my friends. Um, I'd gone through a really toxic um relationship and ultimately a very bad breakup um on the show it had all been played out for everybody to see and people just kind of saw the tip of the iceberg with that um again i won't get into it but it was just i was i was my mental health was in a bad place i was in bad shape and um I remember I needed a break from filming and I sort of said like, oh, I've we'd just done Australia as a series. I was like, I really need like a couple months off. And that's what would been promised. They'd said, yeah, Australia has smashed it. You all worked hard. You were away from your family and friends for so long. And uh, they went back on all that and put another series in. Oh. 
Yeah. And um, I'd had holidays booked and all sorts and was catching up with friends. And I sort of rang them and was like, this doesn't work for me. Like, I need a break. I need some time because it's so full on. Um, And they were just like... And also, I suppose it's your life as well. It's not like... I'm going to finish, we finish filming and then you leave it behind. Like you are with, you are going out with those people and you, they, you are in that relationship. So yeah. it must be really draining. It's, it's so, it's just, it was so hard for us to kind of differentiate between Geordie Shaw real life and my real life. And they were intrinsically linked and things got blurred and I just got really lost in it. I lost so much of myself. So anyway, like I remember saying to them like, oh, I really am not good to film in another couple of weeks. Like, I need more of a break. And they were absolutely, that's fine, Vicky. Don't worry, take your break. We'll just replace you. And I was like, so you're not really saying it's absolutely fine at all. You're telling me I I either film or I've got no job. And by this point, I was well known as someone on Geordie Shore. It wasn't just a case of us fucking walking away from slut dropping and Jaeger bombs and fingering and all the rest of the things associated with the show and just going back to a call centre. There would have been such a stigma attached. So I had to go and film and I was in the worst place, the worst place, and I got into a fight in a nightclub and I did some abhorrent things that I will regret for the rest of my life because they were out of my character. I got essentially suspended which felt more like being sacked everyone cut ties MTV didn't want to know the production company didn't want to know and I just got hung out to dry and I deserved it I know I deserved it and like honestly it was such a terrible time but in that moment I felt like I'd lost everything Matt and yeah when I did eventually like come out the other side of it all and come to terms with what had happened and stuff I was really grateful that I had like that I could return to the show. I think it's the hardest telly to make. Honestly. Because you don't get because you don't get to leave yourself. Nah. Like I go and present I go and present a show and no one knows anything about my relationship, my life, like me arguing people, no one sees me on a night out. I go there and I go, "Hello, welcome to whatever it is I'm presenting for one series before it get before it gets cancelled out." <laughs> and like and then I go home. I remember years ago I did just the two of us. Uh-huh. Um, I did the spin-off show. They did like a one series spin-off. And I found it really interesting because Charlotte Crosby was hosting it with Stephen Bear. Mm. And they were both really nice. I'd met Charlotte a few times. I really liked Charlotte. Yeah. Um, and Stephen, I didn't know. But on this spin-off show, we were watching the main show, like the actual show. And like their relationship was part of the show. Like them right. kind of like getting together during it. And like I was asking them questions about did they have sex on the set and stuff like that. Like that was all there in the show because they're reality stars. So that was expected. Like, can you imagine if I, when I was hosting the extra factor, if I'd have gone to Dermot, so you've been fingering in the toilets, have you mate? Like that would never, you would never ask the host of a show about their private life. But, but because that was their background already, it was a free for all. I could like, that's what they wanted me to ask about. And I, and I think that's what makes it the hardest television. Like if I went on, a show, if I was hosting a show and the spin-off host went, so uh, have you and your girlfriend been shagging in the dressing room? I would, I would lose my shit. Like I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't expect that to happen. Whereas people step over that line for reality stars more than they should. So I think, I think it is the hardest telly to make because that you can't glue yourself away from it. I, it, it. Again, it's because it's so intrinsically linked. Like there is no line. It's fascinating. Yeah, it, absolutely. But unless you work out slowly that you put the line in yourself. Yeah, you have to set very specific boundaries. And I think, luckily for me, I've sort of managed to get away from being pigeonholed just while the going was good. I got out. Um, Oh, you you played it perfectly, I have to be fair. (laughs) Played a fucking blinder. (laughs) 
Yeah, you did, mate. You really did. You really, like, you just, you caught everything perfect, like getting a big following of your own on social media, just as it was all blowing up, like Instagram, like you nailed it. Every step of the way, you've just, you've just about made the right move. And I'm, I respect it. I'd love to say it was calculated and I'm some sort of like reality TV <laughs> genius, but it was all just a mistake. I'm flying by the city of me pants. I think that is it for for part one but um, we will see you again in part two Matt where we will be finding out all about your secrets to surviving a setback before I let you guys go it's that time of the week again celebrity secrets have a little listen to this one of my good friends is um, telling you her secret about how to survive a setback Um, and I'll give you the answer to who it is at the end of the show enjoy happy guessing I seem to cope with setbacks by using them to make me stronger and if not better and more driven than before. Um, I've had a few in my time, but I'd say the two most prominent ones have probably got to do with my career and dancing. When I was about 12, I was diagnosed with scoliosis and all I ever wanted to be was a ballet dancer. So this was obviously devastating but it just meant that I had to get better at other kinds of dancing. I still went on to go to musical theatre school and do a degree and absolutely loved it. And I was still pushing myself to be one of the best. Um, But then in my third year of college, my dad passed away from brain cancer. And I think people were quite shocked at how quickly I went back to college after he died and after his funeral and stuff. But the kind of person my dad was, he was a rugby player and he was just hard as nails and, you know, my biggest fan. And he would have been so annoyed if I was to be sat at home moping around and not doing what I'm meant to do. He would literally give me a kick up the arse and tell me to get myself back to college and be the best that I possibly could be. And that is exactly what I did. And then, you know, now I feel like I'm in the position I'm in and I've done what I've done and I've worked as hard as I've worked to get where I am in my career. That without his head, his voice in my head, I wouldn't have made it as far as I have done. So, um, and maybe I wouldn't be here if he was still here, you know? It's kind of a weird, a weird catch 22, if that's how you use that saying. (laughs) But yeah, setbacks for me make me just want to be better and stronger and I hope that's how I continue to live the rest of my life. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.